We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Krzyzewski takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. It's fun to say that again. It's been a while. Uh, Summer League post-game edition. I'm your host, going solo tonight, uh, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. You can find us at the underscore uncontested on all, all socials. We are a proud part Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of Daily Thunder. And like I said, yeah, I'm going solo tonight. Uh, Three of my co-hosts are in Vegas for Summer League. I believe Silva and Jacob should both be, uh, if not touched down, getting very, very close. So super excited for them. Super jealous that it didn't work out for me again this year, but super, super excited for them. So be sure to give them a follow. I'll mention this as well at the, the end of the podcast. But uh, they're going to have you all covered for, for Vegas Summer League, and, and, and we can't wait to see their coverage. Uh, and then Nick's there as well. <laughs> I mentioned Silva and, and Jacob flying, but Nick is there as well. Got there early this morning, actually. So he's been around, feet on the ground, uh, kind of getting a vibe for, for Summer League in Vegas. So super excited for them. But that leaves me with tonight's post-game podcast. And we have quite a bit to talk about, even though, of course, it, it wasn't, you know, the one I'm doing, of course, wasn't nearly as, as, as exciting as last night. My luck, but still a lot to break down tonight as the Thunder beat the Memphis Grizzlies 87-71 to 71 in Summer League. Like I said, <laughs> wasn't the Chet takeover game that we saw last night. Um, and it, honestly, it wasn't even the game I kind of was expecting from these two teams. And what I mean by that is this, this Grizzlies team has a lot of really fun young players, young prospects. Uh, but tonight, we didn't really get to see a lot of them, <laughs> unfortunately. I was excited to see Chet match up with with some guys like yeah, Xavier Tillman and David Roddy. Roddy, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. Think of that every single time I see his last name because I made that joke on draft night, and it's going to stick with me forever. Uh, kind of fun. Anyways, uh, no Kennedy Chandler, no Jake LaRavia, no David Roddy, no Xavier Tillman, nor Zaire Williams for Memphis uh, since it was their second night back, back as well. Those guys played a lot of minutes last night. And unfortunately, we did not get to... Oh, sorry, I'm looking at, at a comment here in the chat. 
Keystone. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Brian, I am, I'm going solo. I'm the captain tonight. We can have all kinds of fun. Hey, speaking of Brian, for those of you who are tuning in live, be sure to drop in comments and, and questions in the chat and I'll be sure to get to those later. Certainly would appreciate it. Would love to love to talk with you guys. But anyways, going back to going back to uh, the Grizzlies roster, they they didn't play basically a bunch of their key young guys, which was disappointing because I was excited to see that. For, on the OKC front, though, I was a little quote unquote worried. I guess like selfishly, the game that I was going to cover that I wasn't going to get wa- I wasn't going to get to watch Chet, maybe not even Giddy. But lucky for me, the only player that was still out for OKC is Trey Mann due to health and safety protocols. And obviously we're very excited to, to watch him play again and to get him back. So hopefully he gets out of health and safety protocols here soon. Uh, hopefully as soon as, as Vegas summer league and, and the guys that I mentioned earlier, Jacob Silva and Nick will get to watch him live, but that was it for OKC, which leads us to our starters, which was kind of interesting. We had Giddy, Chet, J dub, the J dub Jalen Williams, or as, as Jacob has been calling him little bill, uh, Lindy Waters was a fun one that they threw into the rotation. And then Poku got to start again. And it, it was an interesting lineup. It didn't work the best at times, uh, especially early on, but still was was fun and, and worked. Uh, no Aaron Wiggins for OKC tonight, not just in the starting lineup, but we didn't really see, we, we didn't see him at all. And I'm not thinking anything into that. I, I tweeted last night about Vic Krejci not getting any time. Basically, it seemed like Krejci combined with uh, some of these other young guys were uh, Lindy Waters. seems like they, they kind of gave Wiggins minutes to those two to kind of let them play and also get to see them some, right? Because that's really important. They, I think they know to an extent what they have in Aaron Wiggins, but Vic, uh, Vic Krejci and Lindy Waters still, I don't know if I should call them unknowns necessarily, but maybe not quite as proven yet as Aaron Wiggins. Uh, rookie season this this past season so I think that's all that was nothing to look into and we probably see quite a bit quite a bit of Wiggins tomorrow because as as we'll break down the guys like Chet and Giddy especially got a ton of minutes tonight in the second I have a back-to-back and the other thing I just was going to mention you know JRE obviously wasn't the starting lineup tonight nothing to look into there either Uh, his minutes got cut back some tonight as well uh, and in order for some of these other guys to get some burn as well so hopefully we'll see more of him tomorrow night when, when the Thunder face off against the Sixers uh, and, and their final matchup of, of Utah Summer League. So like I mentioned, kind of surprisingly, <laughs> Josh and Chet both played plenty. The most on the team, as a matter of fact, uh, on the second I have a back-to-back. Looking at their minutes, I got to get my app pulled back up in front of me. Um, Giddy led, led all players on OKC with 27 minutes, 33 seconds. Chet, 25 minutes, 52 seconds. And it was starting to show, especially for Chet, which we'll we'll get into. Oh, I forgot to make my joke at the top of the podcast. I was I was going to intro with you know Chet, obviously a bust, and put him in the G League, give him G League minutes. He's not who we thought he was after one game. I was going to make that joke, but I guess a little too late there. Chet, Chet still got a ton of burn tonight. The second I have a back to back, but you could tell that he was tired. But I'm going to save my Chet. I don't know if I should call it a rant. But I just have some like Chet thoughts, some overall thoughts, uh, especially with the, the Chet debate, quote unquote, going on that we saw as soon as this or as early as this morning after his big, quote unquote, breakout game last night. So I'll save those thoughts for later. But all that to say, those two played a lot of minutes. I was really surprised with how Josh looked in the second half, like he was still going strong. I thought that was really impressive. He stayed in really good shape. So maybe we'll just go ahead and start there. I thought Josh was fantastic tonight. Obviously was the best player for OKC. Uh, 
definitely was the best player on the court for either either team. Triple-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, he had two steals, I believe. Let's see. I had this pulled up. Yeah, there we go. Two steals, one block. Um, he was uh, 7 of 15 from the floor, so 46.7%. I mean, just a really, really dominant game from Josh Giddy. I think is how I would describe it. And I was listening to the... Utah announcers, I, I forget what their names are, but I was listening to them uh, in between the Thunder game and the Sixers game, the Sixers-Utah game, as I was trying to get Little One to go down. And they were just kind of talking about how physically dominant Giddy was. Uh, his his presence was just almost demanding tonight. And, and I, I, I thought that was the really, really impressive from Josh. Like, he's 19 years old, right? I think we forget about that. That's, I forget how many months younger than Chet <laughs> or a rookie. And, you know, you look at Josh out there and you're like, why is Josh playing? You know, he was a starter last season. He was a rookie of the month in the Western Conference every month except for one. And then you remember he's only 19 years old, right? And like, you want to get him as much burn as possible, not just for Josh, but to get him around some of these other guys as well. One, so they can start developing chemistry. Two, because it makes it easier and, and helps in the development of some of these other players primarily all the rookies, which we'll get into as well. But like I said, he really just kind of took control of the game. There were stretches there in the in the first half specifically where the Thunder were really struggling to get any offense going, mainly due to kind of like lineups. And, and that's nothing on the, the coaching staff at all. That's just summer league lineups. Uh, every single team runs into this. But I thought, you know, there were times where not a whole lot of spacing, not a whole lot of opportunity for Josh Lamps that made sense. He still was able to go and make something happen, get his own shot, driving to the rim with three, four defenders and either draw a foul or kick out and create shots for teammates. And I think what we really saw tonight, you know, I was kind of confused maybe as to why Josh was getting so much burn tonight when, like I said, Memphis Grizzlies aren't playing their best young guys. Second, I have a back-to-back. I understand we probably aren't going to see Giddy in, in Vegas, which is why he's getting a lot of burn, especially these first two games. We'll, we'll see how much he gets tomorrow night. But I think a lot of it too is, while, yes, Giddy is used to being a quote-unquote main ball handler, uh, was at times for this team last season, especially when Shea was out, he kind of was that guy, to, right? He, he, he was the guy tonight, setting up teammates, but also, uh, I mean, maybe using an analogy for this current Thunder team or the Thunder team we've seen the past two or three seasons, he had to play the Shea role tonight. And, you know, I, I think back to summer leagues of the past where we saw Terrence Ferguson playing point guard, trying to develop uh, his ball handling uh, last season, obviously, we saw a lot of Teo. They're putting these guys in in different positions that they aren't typically used to when they're playing regular season games. And Giddy took full advantage of that tonight and just looked incredible. Shout out to my co-host of the podcast, Kami Arm, uh, Moravian. He mentioned this yesterday, but it was on full display tonight. And I even like noticed it when he was just standing next to players. But Giddy looks bigger. <laughs> he obviously looks stronger. But he uh, literally, if you look at his arms not just the picture he posted last night, but like I said, I noticed at the beginning of the game when he was standing next to somebody and no, it wasn't Chet. <laughs> it was a Memphis Grizzlies player. His arms have gotten bigger, but the biggest thing I think is his shoulders. Uh, he he has a really good frame to put on put on uh, strength and weight. And he he obviously has done that. He was, was even asked about that uh, from Holly Rowe post-game. And he mentioned that he's been in the weight room. He's been gaining strength and he's really focusing on on finishing around the rim. Now, one thing he also has been focusing on apparently this offseason, but it hasn't quite shown yet, is his three-point shot. He was 0-4 again from three. 
uh, tonight, which, you know, isn't great, but on high usage when he's super tired in the second half of back-to-back, that doesn't surprise me. Looking at his shot, nothing looks necessarily wrong. I think just like looking at last night and tonight's game as a whole, I'm not seeing a ton of like necessarily like no, no big changes to his shot. And I'm certainly not seeing any like drastic improvements, but again, that's not a bad thing. He, he still has plenty of time for that, but I was hoping to see maybe a little, you know, we talked about this in our, our group podcast we did on Sunday, kind of predicting uh, things we wanted to see from certain players in this summer league. And for Josh, we all talked about his improved shot and we haven't seen that so far from him. But what we have seen is he, he's so dominant in every other aspect of the game that it doesn't matter a whole lot right now, which is just a really, really incredible and exciting stuff from Josh Giddy. We get so caught up in the the rookies coming in for the you know the new year, but you still have to remember we have Josh Giddy and Trey Mayo on this team as well. Not to mention Shea Gildas, Alexander, Lou Dort, uh, etc. So in his last two games combined, thirty six points for Josh, twenty one assists, fifteen rebounds, four steals, just doing what he always does, which is staff uh, stuff that stat sheet and just really really impressive stuff from giddy tonight i like i said i, I kind of want to save chet for towards the end so the next one i next player i want to get into is j-dub jalen williams saint Clair, jalen williams i thought he had another really impressive game um he he was kind of forced into a different role this game where he played a little more off ball a little more with chet and with giddy last night in, in that first game Tonight, he actually got to be the primary ball handler, which again, we talked about on that same podcast, that same group podcast, because that's kind of what he was used to doing at Santa Clara. And then obviously back in high school, when he was smaller <laughs> prior to his and during his growth spurt, you know, he was used to being that lead guard and uh, they were interesting lineups. So it, it, like, like I said, it, it's not like it, it fit great on, on paper. It, that's going to be tough in itself, but he had a really, really good game, even being thrown into unique and challenging situations and that's what's really really exciting for me with uh, Jalen Williams J-Dub 16 points three rebounds two assists two steals I thought those two steals were really impressive especially to start the second half he comes out um, trying to I think it was Chet who or Chet or Poku was guarding a player who basically his teammate came up set a screen this player does a spin move to get around the screen or whatever J-Dub and it would have led to probably a two-on-one advantage for Memphis going toward the basket. J-Dub pokes it out during that spin move or crossover, whatever it was from the Memphis player, goes on a fast break, slam dunk. That's how the second half starts, sets the tone. You love that. High energy guy. Just uh, I didn't realize how he, he's been much more explosive these past two games. Than, and not, not necessarily like in a fast twitch Russell Westbrook, John Morant kind of form, but he certainly leaps with these, which I wasn't really expecting. Um, and, and sorry, I'm just going to like, keep going on a tangent of I keep talking about him uh, but I want to get through these stats first he was five and nine from the floor I thought there was something else I wanted to mention oh he did have four free throw attempts which is good he got to the line twice all I have to say he was very aggressive um you know that the things I've stood out especially last night was him I, I know Nick and Jacob talked a little bit about this in last night's post game but he's cutting off the ball baseline cuts which lead to wide open dunks for him especially when you have guys like Josh Giddy. um and even Poku found him on a couple nice, nice plays. He has a very high IQ, moves without the ball, which is impressive. He was, let's see, what was that? Not four, four from three. That's wrong. That's four, four from, yeah, three of three tonight. Um, from the four, or from three. Four of four for the first two games of Summer League, which is really impressive. I understand that's on low attempts, 
But what's kind of interesting is that that matches what we, when we were doing our research and him looking into Jalen Williams during the pre-draft process, I think he was like, this is off the top of my head, but like 58% from spot uh, for on spot up threes last year, again, on limited attempts in college, but we're seeing that carry over. Um, he's able, even saw him, uh, he, I think he got a, a, a or check came up, set a pick for him. He was able to create separation off the dribble, pull up, knock down a three point shot. So that was impressive as well. But again, on top of that, he's playmaking for others. Um, he had the the two assists. I think he probably could have had more. And like I said, like when he is in that lead guard role, what I've noticed these past two games is it does seem like the game's maybe moving a little fast for him. And I think that will be the case when we're in the regular season. But that's something he's going to adapt to quickly. And in the meantime, he's able to do so much off ball that's going to make him useful and impactful immediately when he's playing alongside players like Shea and Giddy and um well, obviously Chet, Dort, Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala, instead of like, you know, he's a lead ball handler with Jang and Vic Krejci and other Jalen Williams, another rookie, right? No disrespect to those guys, but when you have the experience and the, and the spacing and the shot creation that these other players that I mentioned, you know, that the starters essentially are going to be able to provide, that's going to make the game so much easier on some of these rookies as well, which we'll also talk about with Chet here in a little bit. All that to say, I thought J-Dub had another really, really impressive game. <laughs> and we were really excited about him when we saw the Thunder drafted him uh, right after Jang, I guess, that pick. What was that? 12 and 13? Am I making that up? Um, so, or 11 and 12. All that to say, J-Dub had a really good game and super excited to watch him, really, especially in Vegas, when I don't think we're going to be seeing any, much of any of of Josh Giddy, like I think Jake Dub is going to have more reps as a lead ball handler. So I'm curious how that looks. But I'm even more curious how he looks when he's in the regular season with some of the stars I mentioned earlier. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So these next three guys, I'm just kind of lumping together because I thought they all had solid contributions, and I'll just touch on them a little quicker before we get into some bigger uh, themes again. But uh, Us, big Us, uh, Usman Jang, I thought he played a little better today. I uh, let's see, sorry, I'm trying to find. Here we go: six points, five rebounds, two assists. He was two of five from three, only 22% from the floor uh, outside of those three-point shots. He he continued to struggle around the rim, right? He, I think Kamiar said in our Slack earlier, and we were kind of laughing about it, the guy's got to learn how to dunk. He's, you know, almost seven foot, has a pretty solid build and athleticism, but has left so many shots around the rim these first two games. He looks like a player who just isn't settled yet, and that's fine. But he is doing a lot of positive things. For example, the three-point shot, he's not afraid to pull it. And the form looks much improved than it did last season. It looks much closer to the end of the season, uh, his NBL season, compared to the beginning when he kind of made that big leap and made some improvements to that shot. Looks like he's continued that. The form looks solid. It's very smooth. He has great touch, or I shouldn't say great. He has good touch, it seems like. The biggest thing for him, it kind of reminds me of Josh Giddy last year. I talked a lot about this with him. Making that adjustment for the NBL and the NBA, the three-point line, the extended distance, looks to me like Jang needs to get a little more legs in the shot, right? I think it's more of a lower body thing. I think that's still the case with Josh. But like last season, I remember Josh like early on hoisting up some shots, like almost having to bring the ball down like you'd see in, I don't know, this only happened a couple of times. But there were times where like he brought the ball down almost to his hip just to get a little extra power. And uh, I'm seeing some similarities here with Jang, which is interesting with them both coming from the NBL. Now, they're both very tall, so hip flexibility plays a little bit of a role there. Bending your knees is a huge thing for them. And like we see, like when they do bend those knees, when they do get lower on, on the jumper, that's typically when they're both making their threes. And so it kind of is a similar thing there for Jang, which I find interesting. But he's moving off ball, plays solid defense, he's able to use his his length and, and big frame on, on the defensive end, which has been impressive. And like and I think I mentioned just before I mentioned his defense, but I, I do think he's moving off ball. He's, he's finding teammates, although, again, another player who I think really is going to need some adjustment in terms of the speed of the game, how much quicker it is. He's going to have a much a different learning curve in that regard than Josh did this past season when it comes to the regular season. But I'm very intrigued by Jane. I think he has a, a lot of intangibles that will eventually translate once he kind of gets settled in and I hope he gets a little more comfortable in summer league or sorry. And uh, youth uh, biggest summer league. That's one kind of fun thing about playing two summer leagues like this is you can kind of get some of those jitters out for guys like Jane guys, like the Jalen Williams, or Arkansas Jalen Williams, like they can kind of get settled in these first three games and then we'll see them with a bigger role come Vegas. And I hope we see them settled in a little more and playing a little more confidently. Cause I think we'll see better flashes from each of those players specifically, but even guys like Chet and J Dub. So the other two I mentioned there were Lindy Waters and JRE. Just quickly, 
Uh, like I said, Lindy started. He ended up playing 20 minutes. I feel like a lot of those came in the second half because I don't remember seeing him much in the first. But uh, 11 points, one rebound, one assist, one steal. But the biggest thing was he was 50% from the floor, uh, two of five from three, doing typical Lindy things. So that was great to see that translate. I know he's been working really hard this summer. I love that he's on that two-way spot because I think he will continue to get some burn in the regular season. And I'm just really curious how he kind of fits with these guys um, because he played a similar role, right? Just kind of hunting out there at the three-point line, but able to put the, the ball on the floor when he needs to, uh, can play make to a certain extent. Um, so all that, to, it's kind of interesting. They have him listed at point guard. <laughs> he very obviously was not the point guard tonight. But I thought Lindy played well, and it was it was good to see him get that starting role and get about 20 minutes tonight. And then the other one was JRE. Like I said, his minutes cut back a little bit tonight so other guys could get more minutes. But he had nine points, three rebounds, uh, three of seven from the floor. Typical JRE things. Played solid defense. You know, just uh, not a whole lot I think we're going to take from JRE Summer League other than just him getting reps and getting into shape. It looks like he's in great shape. I know the guys mentioned this last night as well, but he slimmed down. And, uh, it, you know, still very muscular, still has a, a great frame. We'll be able to play four and five when we need him to. But it does look like he slimmed down some compared to last season. Um so anyways, it, just typical JRE things. And then finally, before we get into Chet, <laughs> the other the other uh, partner of the Thin Tower, is a, what's the word I'm looking for there? The other member of the Thin Tower lineup is Poku. He played 18 minutes tonight. Um, he was, let's see, that would have been sixth in minutes overall for the Thunder. Five points, eight rebounds, which was good to see. Uh, I did think he was fairly aggressive he had only one steal, which is interesting because I feel like he had like a gazillion deflections. That was one thing I thought that stood out to me for, for uh, from Poku, but only two of six from the floor, one of four from three. He's able to get his shots off now, and and that process, you know, for example, I'm thinking of a play in the second half, uh, maybe the fourth quarter even, where he was able to create his own shot off the dribble. It looked really smooth, but he left it short. Um, probably some of that was due to fatigue as well with it being that late in the game. Like some of that stuff is looking better for Poku, but man, he just, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's not clicking yet for him. And that is concerning. Not that we necessarily, uh, you know, are going to judge his improvement off summer league games. Um, we're going to give him the regular season as well, but all that to say, it seems like Poku is a player who does benefit playing with better competition around him, uh, struggles a little more in these type of situations, but still I was hoping to see a little more from Poku these first two games. And we just haven't seen that. I know the guys talked a lot about that last night, so I'll leave it there because I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about Poku in the coming week or so with with this and the potentially Vegas Summer League if he plays. We'll see. Um, just a quick side note, speaking of Poku, even though they keep saying on the broadcast that he was drafted in 21, that's not the case. He was drafted in 20. But that made me think of Teo, who is, uh, you know, for the first time really since the Summer League roster was announced like 24 hours before, just realized that Teo... It's not playing summer league this this season, which I find interesting. Um, no, oh, I, I probably because he's playing with France. I just thought about that. There we go. I answered my own question. Um, so yeah, curious to see how Teo looks when he gets into training camp as well. Obviously, a player who probably will be battling for a roster spot, um, even if he makes the roster this season, will be fighting for playing time. But he's looked pretty good in his limited uh, reps that he's gotten with Team France. So I'm I'm curious how that translates to the regular season. Anyways, Poku just made me think of Teo as well. So finally. Before we kind of answer some questions, and also we got some Dort contract details that I thought I'd break down at the very end, just kind of for fun, uh, because I find it interesting. But the Chet talk, right? Chet compared to last night, 
not nearly as efficient, not nearly as flashy, not nearly as fun. 11 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, uh, only 3-11 from the, from the floor, and 1 of 6 from 3. Not Chet's best game, especially compared to last night. But the big thing here, right, was all the Sports Center and ESPN tweets and worldwide WAP tweets, like hold the phone. We jumped the gun on, almost said Poku, on Chet. Um, Kenneth, Kenny Lofton is, is giving him buckets and bullying him around the basket. I just think we need to pump the brakes. First of all, he had Lofton in foul trouble the whole time. I'm trying to switch over here to, to Lofton. Lofton had 19 points. Great. Um, but he also had, let's see. Yeah. Well, I thought that was his fouls. He had five fouls. Um, I also thought Chet contested, uh, around the, uh, con- er, defended him around the, win- <laughs> around the rim. Well, didn't get bullied nearly as much after that first quarter or so. When you saw all the highlights, I was able to hold his own. I think a big thing there was Chet was tired, right? And that's no excuse. Like, Chet's on the second night of a back-to-back. Like I said, he played 25 minutes. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember how many minutes he played last night. Regardless, ton of minutes. Second night of a back-to-back. <laughs> they mentioned the altitude, which I understand is a factor. But, like, we don't even make excuses for it. Like, Kenny Lofton's a huge, huge dude. I, I forget how much he weighs. I can probably click on it and find it here. I think uh, Brandon Rabar mentioned that he's, like, as heavy as Zion. <laughs> Look, he's a strong guy. Big dude. He's going to bully a lot of people if he makes it in the league. Not just Chet. Like JRE, probably, I think, got bullied by him a couple different times. And yes, I think Jacob brought up a really good point. Like, yes, Chet's weakness is, is getting pushed behind the rim. Getting, getting um, blocked, block, <laughs> I can't talk. Getting blocked out, um, you know, in, in terms of rebounding. See if I can find, actually, because I'm doing a very bad job of this. Jacob brought up a really good point that I'm not finding now, of course. Great live podcasting. Regardless, all this to say, like, look, if you are playing OKC in a regular season this this season, and you want to you have Rudy, let's say you're you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, are you really going to get the ball to Rudy Gobert every single possession? No, you're not. Because that's not the way the NBA game is played. You're going to have other guys around Chet like SGA, um, Dort. I mentioned Mascala earlier, obviously JRE. There's so many other players around him that you're not going to be able to play that way. That's just not the way that the modern NBA is played anymore. And so, yes, like Chet may get bullied some on the block, especially early on. But that's not this huge reason for concern. Okay, here it is. Sorry. When I was rambling, I was looking for this. So Jacob tweeted out uh, two Lofton Jr. post-ups in the third led to two turnovers. Yes, Chet's weakness is he's able to be pushed under the rim, but if a team wants to run 50 post-ups a game and turn their back to defenders sneaking over the top, they can certainly do that. Just not sure how great that's going to work in the modern NBA. thought he put that much more eloquently than my rant there. All that to say, this isn't a huge concern. This is expected. And then just kind of leading to my next point, you know, something I was, I was talking about this morning or tweeted out this morning about Chet is we saw that article from Chris Mannix, right, where uh, of Sports Illustrated, which is great because I, I really like Chris. Uh, he hasn't been writing a ton uh, about basketball recently. He's kind of been focusing on boxing, so it's been good to see him kind of get back into it during the draft and free agency. Anyways, he's, he's at Utah Summer League. And he you know mentioned how great Ch- Chet was playing, excuse me, but 
he gave this uh, he gave this quote from an assistant coach of an NBA team who was sitting courtside. The assistant coach said, I'm not sold on him being a star. He's obviously an excellent shooter, skilled, but he is so physically weak. He can't get by his defender, and he realized that early and settled for threes the rest of the game. He's so thin in the hips and legs that he makes Poku look like he has thick legs. I don't think he'll ever fill out. He will need to, need to make difficult shots this season to have a good year because he settles for jumpers, can't play inside. He's able to use his length to block shots on drivers tonight. NBA, NBA guys will just get into his body. He has a long way to go, blah, 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 blah. That seemed very tongue-in-cheek to me a little bit. I, I think somebody tweeted out, like, <laughs> okay, some of those uh, like those points are valid, but that seemed like it had a little more to it, a little more of an agenda. And so like, I think what I'm getting at here is, look, there's going to be games like last night where Chet looks like a all-star, you know, a potential, you know, super a superstar potential kind of player. And there's, then there's going to be nights, not even like tonight. I mean, especially in the regular season, he might get played off the floor at times. He might get in foul trouble because we know he's a great uh, shot blocker, but he might get in foul trouble with some of these bigger guys. I think Derek Parker mentioned that earlier today. Um, he's going to have games where he's not shooting the ball well, like tonight. He's going to get bullied down low at times. And you're going to see all these same people come out of the woodwork saying, oh, see, I told you, Chet, you know, he, he can't hang in the modern NBA. And then you're going to have the nights like last night where he's playing well. And I know like a lot of Thunder fans are going to be like, see, you know, Chet's, this, Chet's the guy. And uh, you're going to have the assistant coaches like in Chris Manick's article making the quotes that he was making last night, right? Even on his good nights. And this is going to be a constant debate throughout the majority of the season or all of the next season, his rookie season. So I think what I'm really getting at here is like, we just have to be patient with it. And I think what we've seen already is that Chet's going to be a very special player. But yeah, he's thin, he's skinny, he's going to have his weaknesses. That doesn't mean he's a bust, that it doesn't mean, mean we need to overreact. It doesn't mean that since, you know, Kenny Lofton pushed him off the block four or five times throughout the game today that he's not going to be able to play in the league. Or in it, again, all that to say, I, I think we just need to hold the phone a little bit on some of the overreactions. I would not be surprised if Chet comes out, especially against, I think it's Paulo in the matter. No, it's uh, Jabari Smith Jr. In, the, in Houston in their first game in Vegas and puts on another show. The other thing I was thinking of too, since I'm going on a Chet rant, when he's making the comments that he's making about, um, you know, oh, only six blocks is a record. I'm going to beat that tomorrow night. And then he's all over Sports Center last night and this morning. Guys like Kenny Lofton Jr. trying to make a name for themselves, they're going to be going after him. He's got to be ready for that, and I think he will be. We know that with Chet. He even mentioned post-game, right, that his, his post-interview that, um, that that I guess him and, and, and Lofton were going off the court, and Holly Rowe asked him about that. He was like, oh, yeah, we were, we were talking trash. He was like, but that's my dog or something like that. Look, he's got that dog in him to use the overused term. I'm not worried about Chet. Super excited about him, actually. And nice like tonight, get me more excited. But all that to say, I, he did look gassed, especially there in the second half. I mean, he was like struggling and getting down the floor. So we'll see as he gets in better shape. I'm really excited to see him in Vegas in summer league when Josh Giddy presumably isn't playing. I mean, he'll have guys like Trey Mann, sure, but like Chet's going to be the focal point. So how does he respond to that? Uh, especially that first game when he has a little more rest in between in between games. That first game in Vegas. Curious to see how that looks. So uh, that was kind of my chat rant. It wasn't as clean as I want it to be because I just jumped on here to do this post game and I'm by myself. So I didn't get to uh, fully form thoughts. 
so thank you guys for for stick and gals for sticking with me through my my rants and and thoughts as they came to me there on the the chat chat uh, chat rant but i think the last thing i want to break down here before i get into your guys' chats comments and questions lou dort's contract details came out today or here a little bit ago now that he's officially signed um and bobby marks had the details Blue Dwarf's five-year, $87.5 million contract has a team option in the last year. $5 million in unlikely bonuses, so that's going to include things like Blue Dwarf making an all-star game, the Thunder making the finals, etc. And then those bonuses are uh, $1 million a year over those five years. So basically, we're looking at like a five-year, $82 million contract. If he does hit those bonuses... That means he's <laughs> he's at least playing to that contract, right? Which I think means that it's worth it. But all this, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about this, I'm sure, on future group podcasts. But taking all that into consideration, it just shows you, I think, how much better this contract really is than like a lot of the national media and other people on NBA Twitter uh, have tried to make it seem like. So I don't know. I just found that very interesting. Thought I would throw that that in uh, at the end of the podcast here. Like I said, I'm sure we will dive into that more with the group podcast. But with all that being said, I think that's all I've got for you all. Thank you all for tuning in to the Unconfessed Post Game Podcast. I apologize for all of you who were live on the, the live stream. I had to shut that down quickly as I uh, am living the dead life <laughs> and had a screaming baby waking up and a wife desperately needing help with said baby. Uh, all is well, just again, adjusting to a new lifestyle. So I appreciate it. Appreciate all of you who tuned in live and apologize again. Uh, and appreciate those of you who reached out. Uh, thank you all who are listening in in podcast form. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll have you all covered again for tomorrow night's post game, the last one, uh, or the, tomorrow night's game, the last one, Utah Summer League before heading to Vegas. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we have three guys Jacob, Nick, Silva, Boots on the Ground, Vegas, who will have you all covered with coverage, live podcast. We'll be recording the awesome new Blue Wire uh, studio live, which is really cool a couple times, and they'll be uh, recording each day as well, breaking down all the latest news, rumors, etc. coming out of Summer League, so we're super excited. Be sure to stay tuned. Thank you all for tuning in. Another fun one, although not quite as fun as last night's game, but regardless, it's awesome to have Thunder Basketball back. So until next time, till tomorrow night, Thunder up. <laughs>